Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right, good morning, good morning. Fusion Church, my brothers and sisters, 6 a.m. soap. So glad I get to see you guys today. Um, it is Exodus 36 today. Exodus 36. We're gonna we're gonna begin to wind down the book of Exodus. And um I bet most of y'all never thought you would get so in depth on the book of Exodus, right? You know, we've been covering chapters where normally you're like you're reading it and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm just gonna go skip through this. I don't gotta know about the yarn and the thread and the goat skins and all that stuff. But hasn't it been amazing just really learning more and more about what God did with the children of Israel and what he was trying to show them and what he was trying to reveal them and even all the everything with the tabernacle, everything ultimately points to Jesus. You know, and 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 that's the point of the scriptures, right? Is Jesus. Everything points to him. The book of John begins with, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is here. So um, we're going to dig right into it, and um, uh, I believe the Lord has a word for someone here today um, from Exodus 36. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump right into it. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just we just thank you, and we just... We continue to, to thank you and praise you for your word, Father, your your word that is never changing, your word that is eternal, Father, your word that that uh, we can we can go to the bank with, Father. And we, we know that whatever you say in your word is true. So, Father, we, we just praise you for that, Lord God. And, and I pray for my brothers and sisters on this call right now. I pray for my brothers and sisters listening later on on the blog or on the podcast, Father, Lord, that you would just speak to them, Lord, and speak to all of us right now, Father, Lord. I pray that it be your words that are, are, are heard and not mine, Father, that I would fade to the background and you would be at the forefront of our minds and of our hearts as we read from the book of Exodus. So we praise you for what you're doing in our lives, and we just welcome your Holy Spirit, Father, just to be here and to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, let's give it a stretch. And uh, Exodus 36 and I am reading from the New King James Version. <clears throat> and Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whom the Lord has put wisdom and understanding to know how to do all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary shall do according to all that the Lord has commanded. Then Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan in whose heart the Lord had put wisdom, everyone whose heart was stirred to come and do the work. And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from the work he was doing. And they spoke to Moses saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. 
and the people were restrained from bringing. For the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, indeed too much. Then all the gifted artisans among whom who worked among, among them who worked on the tabernacle made 10 curtains woven of fine linen and a, pur, a blue, purple, and scarlet thread with artistic designs of cherubim they, they made them. The length of each curtain was 28 cubits and the width of each curtain four cubits. The curtains were all the same size. And he coupled five curtains to one another and the other five curtains he coupled to one another. He made loops of blue yarn on the edge of the curtain on the selvage of one set. Likewise, he did on the outer edge of the other curtain on the second set. Fifty loops he made on one curtain and fifty loops he made on the edge of the curtain on the end of the second set. And loops held one curtain to another. And he made 50 clasps of gold and coupled the curtains to one another with the clasp that it might be one tabernacle. He made curtains of goat hair for the tent over the tabernacle. He made 11 curtains. The length of each curtain was 30 cubits and the width of each curtain, four cubits. And 11 curtains were the same size. He coupled five curtains by themselves and six curtains by themselves. And he made 50 loops on the edge of the curtain that is outermost in one set. And 50 loops he made on the edge of the curtain of the second set. He also made 50 bronze clasps to couple the tent together that it might be one. Then he made a covering for the tent of ram skins dyed red and a covering of badger skins above that. For the tabernacle, he made boards of acacia wood standing upright. The length of each board was 10 cubits and the width of each board a cubit and a half. Each board had two tenons for binding one to another. Thus he made for all the boards of the tabernacle. And he made boards for the tabernacle, 20 boards for the south side, 40 sockets of silver he made to go under the 20 boards, each, two sockets under each of the boards for its two tenons. And for the other side of the tabernacle, the north side, he made 20 boards, and there are 40 sockets of silver, two sockets under each of the boards. For the west side of the tabernacle, he made six boards. He also made two boards for the, for the two back corners of the tabernacle, and they were coupled at the bottom and coupled together at the top by one ring. Thus he made both of them for the two corners. So there were eight boards and their sockets, 16 sockets of silver, two sockets under each of the boards. And he made bars of acacia wood, five for the boards on one side of the tabernacle, five bars for the for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars for the boards of the tabernacle on the far side westward. And he made the middle bar to pass through the boards from one end to the other. He overlaid the boards with gold, made the rings of gold to be holders for the bars, and overlaid the bars with gold. And he made a veil of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen. It was worked with an artistic design of cherubim. He made for it four pillars of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold, with their hooks of gold, and he cast four sockets of silver for them. He also made a screen for the tabernacle door of blue, purple, and scarlet thread and fine woven linen made by a weaver. And it's five pillars with their hooks, and he overlaid their capitals and their rings of gold, but their five sockets were bronze. Amen. Amen. All right. So what can we get out of this? Okay. We're talking about boards. We're talking about sockets. Let's begin. Start with the beginning. Verse one is verse two, excuse me, says to come and do the work, the planning and the preparation were over. All right. So here we've already read about all the planning and all the, you know, everything that needed to go into the tabernacle. Now it was time to get the work done, right? This is time for preparation. This is time for work. This is time for planning. Then there's a time to put that planning into action. You know, and so it was time to actually, again, do the work of building the tabernacle and all its furnishings. 
You know, they had, again, they had planned and planned and planned. Now it's time to get it done. You know, verse three says they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Again, will, you know, the, the, these, these, the children of Israel, they were willing, you know, to, to bring their offering, right? But they had to be reminded, don't forget to bring your offering, you know? And because, because now was the time to give. We had been talking about everything we need. We were talking about the artisans. We've been talking about all this stuff. Now is the time to put it in the action. And Moses let them know this. So they start bringing their offering to the Lord, bringing all their offerings, their gold, and and then all their 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 talents. They're bringing it now to build the tabernacle. But verse five says the people bring much more than enough. See, this shows how blessed giving can be when, when we're free from human manipulation and tricks. When we're, when, when it's just like, this is what, this is what we need. We're not trying to get more from you. We're not trying to get extra. We're not trying to hide things from you. Like the children of Israel knew that this tabernacle was going to be where the Lord came down to be with them. But they're going to be able to sacrifice to the Lord where the Lord was going to speak through Moses and, and, and speak through the priests and, and whatnot. So they knew this was the point for this. Moses wasn't building a, a, a special tent for himself. Okay. It wasn't like Moses was like, you know what? The Lord needs a house, but it's really going to be for me. But I'm going to say it's for the Lord, you know? And so then all the people give me everything, everything that I'm going to need for, for my house. No, nah, that's not the case. They knew what this was for. So they were willing, right? Many of us give willingly to the, to the ministry because we know what it is for. Our lives have been changed. We've seen other people's lives changed, right? So, you know, the rare times that, you know, Pastor Brennan might come up and bring up and talk about, you know, a special offering for this or, or a campaign for that, you know, I think we can all, most of us can attest that, that we've been very good stewards of the things that, that the, the people, the, 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 the members of Fusion Church bring to the church. We're not just, you know, spending money to spend money. Because listen, if we were spending money to spend money, I wouldn't have a team week in and week out setting up a mobile church. We would have our own church, but we're not. We try to be very wise stewards. We have an amazing elder board that they they take they take their time and they pray and they fast. What is the right thing to do? You know, and so Moses, he had been very, very open about what the Lord was sharing with him. And Moses, despite what the children of Israel, you know, when they allowed their minds to wander, you know, Moses had never um, steered them the wrong way. They may have felt at certain times like, oh, how could you how, how could you take us out here? We were better off in Egypt and all this craziness that Israel was doing. But when they really took a took a step back and thought about it, they knew Moses was the leader that God had chosen and put before them. So when Moses says, Thus saith the Lord, they could take it to the bank. So now they're willing to give. You know, willing hearts will always give enough as God blesses the work. If this wasn't a work blessed by God, the hearts wouldn't have been moved to, to, to give, right? They wouldn't have done it. Because indeed, verse 6 says the, the people had to be strained from giving. They were giving too much. You know, Moses and the, and the planners, they knew exactly what they needed. 
God's instruction was very specific, you know, kind of kind of crazy specific, if you ask me, you know, down to the cubits and the, the measurements and everything. God said, my house is going to look like this, period, point blank, end of statement, no argument. This is what I want done. So Moses and the rest of the planners, they had a very clear definition of what God wanted. The job was organized. It was planned to the extent that they, again, they understood exactly what was needed for the tabernacle. And they knew when they had enough. See, when, when God's people, when we're asked to give something, they should expect that is organized, planned, and managed. Our leaders are not going to ask for an, uh, an offering or a gift above and beyond our tithe and offering if it has not been organized, planned, prayed over, fasted over. Because we're not going to, at Fusion Church, we're not going to ask for anything unless we know without a shadow of a doubt that this is what God wants. And this goes beyond just giving monetarily, okay? Because we need people to serve in the church. We need, because I can't do everything at Cumberland County. You know, and quite honestly, I don't do that much. Pop and the rest of the team, they do a whole lot, right? I just show up, look pretty. Get on the mic every, every once in a while, you know what I'm saying? And and that's but the, 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 the but they do so much, but nothing would get done if the Lord had not put it on their hearts to serve. So they were restrained from bringing um, verse seven for the material they had was sufficient. Moses showed integrity by not gathering more than the project needed, right? Because it'd be easy to say, oh yeah, 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 just. We'll, we'll hold on to everything, just, just store it over there, just in case we make a mistake, you know what I'm saying? Someone cuts the wood, you know, 21 cubits instead of 20 inches. We, you know, who knows? Who knows, right? But he didn't. God told him to take an offering for building the tabernacle, and when the tabernacle is provided for, the offering was over. We have a limit. We need this much, period. The purpose wasn't to gather endless resources to build a tabernacle, but to put the resources, the exact resources that were needed and put that into action to make it happen. It goes on at the end of verse seven, indeed too much. This follows, see, this follows the pattern of God giving to us. See, God doesn't ask us to go above and beyond all the time. He wants us to give our, our time, talents, you know, to the, to the work of the ministry. But then God, in turn, when he blesses us, he gives us too much. God gives us much more than we ever need. See, our, our, our giving is only in a response to his blessings upon us. God has blessed you, brothers and sisters. God has blessed you by allowing you to wake up this morning. There are people who were not able to wake up this morning. But God will open your eyes so you can get up. And I know some of y'all still lying in bed, right? The lights are off still. You're still under the covers, nice and warm. And you got the phone sitting by you on the bed, but you're still awake. You're still awake and God blessed you. What are you doing in response to that blessings? See, there's so many times we're blessed by the Lord and, and for we, we, we forget the significance of it because you didn't have to wake up this morning. You didn't have to be able to, to get up out of bed and go, go handle your business. No, God has blessed you. 
What is your response to God blessing you? So what can so so the rest of the chapter goes into all the details. And uh, listen, I'm pretty good at this, but there's only so much we can get out of all the cubits and the measurements and all that stuff, right? You know, and quite honestly, if I started going through all that, you know, the number, right? We have 41 people listening, it's gonna go 40, 39, 38. They're like, I, I'm sick of this. But when we look at the chapter as a whole, what can we get out of this? Right? Let's start. Number one, leaders must be per, uh, appointed and organized. More than at any time um, in our history, the complexity of modern life requires that we raise, tra- uh, we raise, we train, and we deploy better leaders, especially within the church. Great leaders are essential for great tasks. And how do we how do we measure great leaders? Us, you know, just reg- regular human beings, you know. Did it work? They had a plan that did it happen, right? But but productivity is not the only measure of leadership. See, the Lord, the Lord sets limits and patterns for work. Verse one shows us four truths when it comes to leadership. First, they were called by name. Bezalel and Aholiab called them by name. Second, they were, you know, it was understood that they were called by the Lord. Right. Random dudes didn't show up out of the desert like, hey, uh, I got a word from the God. I got to come build your tabernacle. No, God said, though, I want them. God has chosen you, brothers and sisters. He has chosen Mike. He has chosen Jesus. He has chosen Nicole. He has chosen you. Okay, to be where you're at for the leadership that you've been called to. Third, they were they were enabled by the Lord as he gave them the practical wisdom to perform the duties that they were called to perform. And then finally, God placed parameters around their work. God said, this is what I want you to do. That's it. Do this. Here's the plan. Here's how you're going to get it done. Make it happen. He didn't tell them to go above and beyond. You know, he didn't tell them gather as much as much. And so you have you have stuff in, in, in the in the reserves. No, God said, this is what I want you to do. Second, good leaders choose people with clear skills in the area of the task. Verse two states that the team was made from those who demonstrated skill and understanding. It says that Moses called Bezalel and Aholiab and every gifted artisan and whose heart the Lord had put wisdom. Workers need to be carefully chosen. Especially if you're, if you're, if as a worker, you're being called to a position of leadership, you need to be carefully chosen. Not every person is appointed for certain things. Not every person has been anointed by God to be a teacher, to be a preacher, to be on that worship team. You have to be carefully chosen because when you're in a position of leadership, you are representing the Lord. And that's something we cannot take lightly. Too often we have chosen people based on their skills, but not on their anointing. So we have to be very careful with who we allow to do certain things. We shouldn't ever put leadership in untested hands. If someone, some random person comes off the street and like, listen, I've been called by God to, to teach a Bible class. And we're like, whew, praise God, let's go use that classroom. We don't know this person. We don't know what they've been through. I like to say, once you've been through it, you know, then you can speak into it. 
lot of us have been through some stuff. And so now we have the authority to speak on what God has done in our lives. There are things that you you guys have been through that I have not been through. There are things that I have not been tested in that a lot of you have been tested in. So I am not the subject matter expert on a whole lot of things, but you are. And God may have chosen you to teach a connect group, lead a connect group based on what you've been through because someone else needs to hear it. Have you been chosen? Have you been appointed? Have you been anointed for that position? Paul warned Timothy not to feel pressure to put people in leadership hastily. Leaders leaders have to be chosen very carefully. 1 Timothy 5.21 says, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily, nor share in other people's sins Keep yourself pure. Do not lay hands on anyone hastily. What's that mean? Do not bless people to do certain works, you know, very fast. Take your time. Pray about it. That's something that the leaders of Fusion Church, the elders, you know, we don't, they don't just do things hastily. You know, Pastor Brendan, if he's going to bring someone new onto the staff, if, if, if at some point when he, you know, when we're, when we're at locations three, four, five, six, however many the, the Lord wants us to really have, you know, more staff members got to come on. More pastors are going to have to come on. Okay. And we can't just let, okay, I got a Bible degree. Cool. Are you anointed? Because anybody can go to school. Anybody can go online and print out a uh, 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 degree from, you know, First Baptist Church of Online, you know, ministry school and say, I'm a pastor. I've been called, but no, 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 no. Who are you? Have you been tested? You know, people, the people, uh, you, you can look at me and see, you know, I'm a pastor of Fusion Church and I got my degree. Yeah, I got my degree, but I still had to wait. Because once I got my degree in ministry, it wasn't like, got my degree. Yay. And it was like the next day, Pastor Brennan was like, hey, we got a job for you. No, I still had to go through some stuff. There was still a period. So God, God wants to do a work, but not everyone is chosen for that work because the best workers are the called ones. The work was planned and communicated by God and God stirred them and he enlisted them to do the work. He called people to the task. Is God calling you today to something? Is God calling you today to a certain ministry? Is God calling you away from Fusion Church? I don't know. God has so many plans for you that are above and beyond anything we can think or imagine. Maya just left a couple weeks ago. She was called to go down to Atlanta to be part of this ministry and to be a missionary. And once she goes through this, this period in Atlanta, she's going to go over, overseas. That's scary. But she was called to do this. Are you brave enough to listen to the call of the Lord? Is the Lord stirring something in your heart to do something, to work? And it could be infusion. Is there a ministry that the Lord has put in your heart that God is working on you right now? He's stirring something with you. He's putting things in your mind. He's giving you dreams and visions. In your alone time, if you're journaling, you find yourself writing things out. You know, are you are you brave enough to listen to the call of the Lord? God knows 
who he wants involved in every aspect of the work. We need to all be seeking our role within that work. What is your role within the work that God's trying to do? The primary requirement to serve God is an open heart to do what's needed. Too many, too many only too many people only volunteer if the work can be tailored to their desires and to their needs. And they don't want to do it. They don't want to do what they don't want to do. Right? They don't want to do. You know, it's like, hey, we need we need volunteers to, to, to do this. What's that entail? What do I got to do? What's involved? And you tell them, like, oh, I got plans that day. Like, we ain't told you what day it's going to be. You know, I got I got plans every day. You know, in the in the in the, in the military, you know, my, me and me and Pop were both retired Air Force, and I remember when um, before I joined basic training, you know, Pop would give me the rundown. You know, like, hey, do this, don't do this, blah blah blah. And he said, if they ask for volunteers, don't do it because it's, it's a very open ended question, right? He would like. If they say, hey, we need five volunteers, don't put your hand up. And he told me a crazy story that he did that back in the, when he was, you know, you know, back in back in the military when they were still like on horses and, you know, they had, you know, one shot muskets. You know, that's, that's how back, you know, far back he goes. And he said, you know, that he had a, um, a situation where he was like, oh, I'll volunteer. A bunch of guys volunteer. And they were like moving like um, cemetery stones, you know, and it was like, what's the point of this? You know, but it was a crazy random thing they had to do. You know, but that's not how the kingdom of God works. Okay. We cannot allow our personal preference because sometimes God may call you to do something you don't want to do. And that's tough. That's hard to accept. Sometimes there have been things God has called me to do conversations. God has called me to have people. God, God has called me to say, go talk to them that I did not want to talk to them. I did not want to do. But if God calls you, are you willing to listen? Are you willing to be obedient? See, I've noticed that when people are called by God, they will go longer. They will work harder. They will serve better. They will complain less because the best workers are the called ones. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, each and every one of us have been called to do a work for the ministry. To do a work for the kingdom. Not just to work for Fusion Church. Let's take Fusion Church completely out of out of the, 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 the conversation. All right? In the greater scheme of things, Fusion Church don't matter. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. Each one of us have, call, have been called to do a work for the kingdom of God. For his church, the capital C church, what have you been called to do? And are you being obedient to that? The workers were supported by all of the people. So we have people doing work and we had the people supplying and providing for the workers. We need to, to affirm people in their work. In the text, the, the, the workers were affirmed and supplied by the people. Listen, there are people working in the church. Are you affirming them? Are you cheering them on? Are you supplying them? Are you helping them if called? Even if, even if they don't have the skills to do the work, people are doing the work. And God's making it, making it a way. So who have you been cheering? Who have you been encouraging? 
Have the have the the, the ushers been told when they're walking you to their to your chair that you appreciate them, thanking them for their for their service? Because the ushers they don't just sit around waiting for someone to come to the, to the worship worship center doors and say sit there. They do a whole lot more. Have you affirmed them? Have you cheered them on? Are the teams that are working in sound and hospitality and production and worship and kids ministry and youth and so on, are they getting cheered on by you? Are you praying for those who are working behind the scenes? We have so many people at Fusion Church that are doing a work that we don't even see. People, they come and they, and they disappear, but they're working, they're serving. We don't even see. If you don't have kids, you have no idea who's serving in kids ministry, dealing with the, the, the ankle biters that are back there, acting crazy, looking for some goldfish. We have no idea. The people in production and, and just all the behind the scenes people. But are you praying for them? Are you encouraging them? Are you interceding for them? Because all of that is so much more important than we realize. So much more important than we realize. Because they've, they've answered the call. And quite honestly, they don't get enough encouragement. It's, it's, it's one thing when, when my team at Cumberland County, you know, when I walk around and I'm, you know, thanking them and encouraging them. That's great. That's expected of me. But how much more, how much better would it feel if a random fusionite walked up and said, thank you for what you guys are doing. I appreciate it. I'm telling you, it makes a world of difference because someone other than the pastor is noticing what they're doing. Because quite honestly, quite often as the pastor, I see all the things that went wrong, right? I notice all the things that no one else notices. I notice all the bad, right? And and listen, they rag on me because I notice things like, you know, and Pop will attest this, the pipe and drape isn't just so. You know what I'm saying? Like the chairs aren't exactly aligned, you know? But if someone random come up and say, you guys are doing an amazing job. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It would blow their minds. And number five is even in the midst of God stirring, people needed to be channeled and directed in their desire to serve. Even when people are right with God and obedient, they still need direction because they cannot see the whole work. They don't see all of the vision. All, sometimes we get tunnel vision. We, we're only focused here, but it's so important for they, they, they can see all of the vision. I told a story last week of, of my young troop who, you know, he was so wrapped up in, in his little position that he failed to see the big, the big picture. So it's so much, it's so important, you know, that, that we, we give people the big picture as much as we can. And I'm going to begin to close here. When, when, when needs were met, they stayed inside the vision and cut off the flow of needs. That's so important. See, when God puts when God puts parameters into the work, they stayed within the parameters. Even when they could have enlarged it based on supply. They could have said, look at all these extra supplies. Let's make the tabernacle bigger. Let's double the size. Let's put a second story on there. We'll put a pool in the back, you know. Put a gazebo. They could have done all this kind of stuff, right? But they didn't. They stayed within the parameters that the Lord 
placed on them, an essential part of ministry, stay inside the plan. Stay inside the plan. God can put something in your heart and you can see what, that's great, but I can do even more. Stay within the plan. Stay inside the plan. Because if you're going above and beyond what God has called you to do, why are you doing it? Are you doing it for selfish means? And then if you go outside the parameter, God's not going to bless that because that's not what, what you were called to do. More supply doesn't automatically mean expanding the project. See, the parameters were established in a plan that God gave to them. Supply doesn't drive vision. There have been stories of churches, mega churches, that they go to plant another location, spending millions and millions of dollars on it, only for it to close its doors within a year. Why? Because they went outside the vision. They went outside the, per the parameters that God established. Supply, again, supply doesn't drive vision, but God's word does. God's word supplies the vision. It drives the vision. So, so what is God saying to you? What is the vision that God has given to you? And I'm going to end with a, a quick story. When prior to about a year prior to us launching Cumberland County, right? And we, you know, it was very much in the infancy stages, you know, not even public knowledge that we were planning on doing this. And Gateway Church comes down and, um, and, and, uh, Bob and Doug, if I'm getting the story wrong, I'm sorry, but this is the gist of it. Um, and they had X amount of money they wanted to gift to Fusion Church, right? And Pastor Brennan was, was you know, he, he prayed about it. I mean, every church wants money, right? Listen, we all, we need money. We got stuff we want to do, you know? But God, Pastor Brennan didn't feel like this was the time to accept any money. Wanted to be wise about it, you know? And of course, there's always a ministry. There's always something going on. There's outreach and there's all this stuff that we need. You know, worship team needs this. Pastor Jose wants the latest, greatest of, you know, whatever gizmo and gadget that they can do to, I don't know. I don't get all that stuff, but there's always a reason to have more money. But it was like, no, right now we're good. We're okay. He wanted to stay within the parameters of what God was calling us to do in that particular season. And then what happened a year later? We're beginning the process of, of launching Cumberland County. So now, when Pastor Brennan feels called, hey, now go ask for the money. Gateway Church is going to be like, wow, well, they were wise over here. They're going to be wise over here. We're, gonna, we're, we're making a, a good investment. Right? And I say all that to say is, if God places you somewhere and he gives you parameters, Right. Don't try to do it above and beyond. Don't try to go greater because unless God tells you, expand the vision. Right. Go crazy. But it said, the word says that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. The word doesn't say, you know, Chet is able to do above, above and beyond all we can. No. Paul is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. No. God says, I am able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think. You stay within my parameters. You stay here. And if you stay here, I will take you out here. I will move you above and beyond. 
I will expand your reach. I will ex expand your parameters. And then you will be blessed. The tabernacle. I don't know how much extra was brought, but that tent of meeting, that tent where, where the, 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 the spirit of God, where the Ark of the Covenant was going to be, you know, they could have made it probably 10 times greater. But God didn't call for that. God said, I want it this size. And they were faithful to that. So that however many years later, when the actual temple was going to be built, Solomon's temple, that was going to be a lavish building. That was going to have a, be a building with all the bells and whistles. That was going to be a building that was exceedingly abundantly above all the children of Israel could have ever asked or think, thought, thought about so they could worship the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We just thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your word, Lord God. I pray, Father, that when you speak to us, Lord, that you will speak to us in a way that only we can hear, only we can understand. And I pray that it's clear, Father, Lord. You've placed things in our hearts. And so, Father, I pray that, that you, would, you, would, you, you would flesh out these visions. You would flesh out these dreams that you've placed upon us, Lord, so that we know it is from you, Father, and we don't get wrapped up in what we think it should be, what we think it should look like, Father, but only by what you want us to do, Lord God. So I pray that you just continue to bless us, Father, be with our leaders, Lord, as if they're, they're continuing to, to, to seek your face, Father, above all, Lord, and what you want this church, this ministry, what you want it to do, what you want it to look like. So, Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Be with us throughout the rest of this day, Father. I pray for every home that's represented on this call, Father. Bless them, keep them, and guide them, Lord. Bless everyone who's listening to, to your word later on on the podcast or on the blog, Lord God. Father, I pray that you just open up our, our hearts and minds, Father, that we can just receive more from you. That's all we desire, Lord, is to seek your face day in and day out to get closer to you. We praise you, Father, for what you're doing. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, brothers and sisters, I will see you next week in Cumberland County. I will see you on Sunday. God bless.